everyone. Anne Louise Gittleman here for First Lady of Nutrition podcast. And as you know, I've just written a book called Radical Longevity. And I'm so interested in knowing why people are getting sicker and tireder in this new day and time. And I've had the opportunity to read a brand new book called Beat Autoimmune, The Six Keys to Reverse Your Condition and Reclaim Your Health by Palmer Coppola. And she is now my esteemed guest. And she is going to speak to us today about reclaiming your health and beating autoimmunity. Welcome to First Lady of Nutrition, Palmer. Oh, Anne Louise, it is such an honor and pleasure to be with you. You are truly one of my heroes, I should say sheroes. So thank you so much for all you do. Thank you so much for writing the book that I wish I could have written. I have to tell you something. I get many, many books in which I'm, a, I'm asked to do an endorsement or a blurb, but yours was the first one that I said to myself, I wish I had written the book. It was so innovative, so different. You don't just rehash what everybody else says. You're really interested in finding the underlying root cause of disease and autoimmunity. And my question to you is why is there so much rheumatoid arthritis, MS, lupus, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, you name it, I could go on and on. Why is it just coming out of the woodwork? We never saw this 20 years ago. What has changed in the environment to make these things so prevalent? Well, you just kind of put your finger on, on the head of the nail here with the question. It's the environment that's changed. It turns out that we are just living in a, a perfect storm with the amount of toxicants in our environment that are just not checked for safety before they're released into the environment, the chemicals and so forth. Unlike Europe, where I, I think they have a precautionary principle where they test before they unleash these chemicals, we just don't. And you couple that with the amount of just poor diet that people are eating. We just don't have the metabolic flexibility. We're succumbing more and more to these infections. And that's just the creative, the perfect storm for our guts to be a mess and for autoimmunity to, to be on the rise. So we really are in an epidemic of autoimmunity for sure. So you mentioned something that I find very innovative, and that is infections. So what kind of infections are manifesting as these autoimmune conditions? Are we talking about infections like strep? Are we talking about gum infections? I'm trying to think off the top of my head now. What infections, even virus, I mean, some nutritionists are talking about EBV as being the source of everything under the sun. What, do we, <laughs> what is most prevalent here in these hidden infections? And doctors are not looking for them, are they? No, and I think that's just such a disservice because we've known for years and years, decades, that infections underlie these autoimmune conditions. So there are a host of infections that are linked with autoimmunity. And I would actually not put Epstein-Barr near the top of the list, at least from a clinical perspective. That's not something that I we see Epstein-Barr being a single cause of these debilitating conditions. What we see is the combination of candida from the yeast overgrowth. Yes, we see yes, yes, yes. this epidemic of Lyme, chronic Lyme, which is actually now considered an autoimmune condition. Uh, and we see parasites. As, as you know, this you wrote the book on it in mm -hmm. what, in the 90s or early 2000s? And it's this combination of factors, the gut infections. Um, it, it's just a combination of factors that are 
causing the, the problem here. So where does one begin? You yourself had an autoimmune condition. Maybe we should speak to that. You were diagnosed with MS at a very early age. So that began your own personal journey. That's right. That's right. It's a, it's a long story, but I will be brief. Um, so I grew up happy, healthy, well-adjusted young woman. And at age 19, when I was home from uh, school for the summer, just working a summer job as a waitress, I um, woke up one morning and the soles of my feet were all tingling and it didn't go away. And I would shake my feet and the tingling didn't stop. And so I called my parents who called the family doctor who said, get her to the neurologist at UCLA today. So that's what we did. And we sat in that office and the neurologist did a very cursory exam, but um, within mere minutes, she said, I'm 99% certain you have MS multiple sclerosis. And if I'm right, there's nothing you can do except, you know, go home and wait. We need to schedule um, an NMR, which is, was the precursor to the MRI to see if I'm right. And we left that office with very little information, very little hope, as you've already stated, no one had heard of MS. You know, this is the mid eighties, just to level set people with the time that we're talking about, because there was no internet available. There was nothing that I could go back and search Dr. Google for, you know, what in the world to do about MS. And it was just a pronouncement that you should expect your life in a wheelchair because that's where you're headed. So over the course of that summer, I ended up going completely numb from the neck down and we, we were just terrified. We didn't know what to do, what to expect. I just lay on the couch. Thankfully, the Summer Olympics were on as a distraction. Um, but Anne Louise, it was actually a family friend who came and had this amazing question that I, I didn't see it as uh, a positive thing at the time because she asked me, Palmer, why do you think you got the MS? Mm. Oh, I was just <laughs> angry. I was incensed. I couldn't, I, was she accusing me of doing something? Well, what in the world did I do? And so I sat there and I pondered and I puzzled and it came to me in this flash of insight. And I just need to take you back a little bit earlier in time because I had been adopted as a baby by very loving parents. But my dad, who, my adoptive father had been a fighter pilot whose way was the right way. Mm. <laughs> and we butted heads quite a bit. He raised me to be independent. And did yet you know, he... <laughs> let me, I'm, I'm going to jump in here. Did you, you do that? Did you know that you were adopted at an early age? From the time I could talk, I always knew that I was. I didn't know what it meant, but yes, they told me. So they right were, they the were upfront with it. Okay. Very upfront. Fascinating. Yeah. 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 Um, but there was a tremendous amount of chronic stress. There was a lot of yelling. My dad was verbally abusive, a wonderful man. So we have to, you know, put everything in context, but just would yell at my mom quite a bit and call her names. And I had this reflection as I lay on the couch. My earliest memory actually was of my dad yelling at my mom who shut herself behind her bedroom door oh. and he's calling her names and I have my dukes up. You know, uh. looking up at my dad, you call my mom names and I'll sock your lights out, mm. right? I mean, or whatever one says when you're three years old, but words to that effect. So I had become hypervigilant as a child. And in that moment of insight on the couch, I have no idea how I intuited this, but I figured that question, why did I get the MS? Because my immune system was always on. I was always stressed out. Uh. And that still rings very true 
uh, for me today, even though I know now that there's way more to the story than just that always on sympathetic activation, but that was a huge, huge part of it. So we typically look at the physical causes. We spoke about infections. We talked about heavy metals and parasites and EMFs and so forth, but there's probably another very important cause that I want you to shed more light on, and that would be the unhealed childhood traumas. Do you find mm. that a big part of this? In 95% of the people that I see, and I, I have a functional medicine practice where I see people remotely and we go through it. And I have a mnemonic called FITES, which I know we'll get into, but it stands for food, infections, gut health, hormone balance, toxins, and stress. I just did that because I wanna make it easy for people to remember all the things they need to be, that need to be addressed. And the one that keeps coming up again and again is the stress piece. And it, we're not talking about just the ongoing stress of daily life, which is bad enough when we're just always in that worried and hurried mode, but there's the childhood trauma. And people may be familiar with a landmark series of studies called the Adverse Childhood Experiences or ACEs for short. Is that familiar to you? Somewhat, but, but perhaps Somewhat. not to my listeners. So in, I think it might've been the eighties or nineties, the CDC and Kaiser Permanente ran a series of studies. It actually was intended as a weight loss study to begin with, and they couldn't figure out why people had this uh, limit to how much weight they were losing, the women in particular. And it turned out that they didn't lose more weight because they actually didn't want to be more appealing to their spouses. They wanted to put, let's, let's call it a buffer around themselves. And so this, this study actually was so revealing because they asked a series of questions in a survey form. Um, growing up, were you ever hit verbally abused, physically abused, or neglected? Did you witness somebody get hit? Was there alcoholism in your family? And it, th through this series of questions, they determined that 60%, and now we're talking about 17,000 plus people responded to this survey. So it's a big study. Huge. And when, huge study. And when the results first came in, it's reported that the guy from the CDC, who was the co-author, sat in his office and wept because he saw that a full 60% of all people who responded had at least one of these adverse childhood events. And if you had one, you were 80% or more likely to have another. And so the level and the amount, and, and oh, by the way, the people that did the survey, the, the study participants were middle and upper middle class Caucasian. Huh. They were not, you know, the, the normal diversity of the United States. So yes. if you add the brown and black community to this, you can only imagine how that increases. And so what they found was this correlation and, and I'm going to venture as far to say is part causation, because when you have these adverse childhood events, it was almost predictive of whether or not there was going to be autoimmune conditions later in life, decades later. And there are several mechanisms for how that happens. And one of them is when you are mistreated or when you view somebody mistreated, you actually form different beliefs about yourself that might be, I'm not worthy, I'm not enough, I'm not lovable, whatever it might be. I think people can really resonate with that. 
So that changes your belief system. When you have a belief system that you're not worthy, that might shift your behavior where you might drink more, maybe become promiscuous, you know, whatever coping mechanism that isn't so healthy. And then it affects your biology. So it's not just that your behavior, like, you know, you become an alcoholic and that leads down a bad path, but even regardless of the coping mechanisms, that those actual occurrences of, or adverse childhood experiences in childhood are linked with autoimmune conditions and, and even lung cancer in later life. How so this is, this is profound and it's such an opportunity for, you know, pediatricians and doctors to be familiar with this, to address these, these massive issues. And be on the alert for them. So when we talk about childhood trauma, give me an example. I mean, this must show itself in different ways. It's not just that you're abused, but suppose you suffer from an accident, you become hypervigilant. Wouldn't that be an adverse childhood trauma? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're not just talking about traumas with capital T, which might be an accident or an injury or an illness or the death of a parent. Those are huge traumas, of course, but we're, we're actually also talking about little t, where, you know, you were neglected. And sometimes it's really hard to prove something that you can't see. But if you were, you know, a latchkey kid, and you didn't have a parent around, or you witnessed somebody being verbally abused, we don't typically think of that as a trauma, capital T. But enough of that over time, and, and certainly that has a lasting effect. And I'm sure you've heard the expression, the issues are in the tissues. Yeah, I, lo I love that. It's so, <laughs> we've it's just so got to get rid of these things. So, is, so how do you address that? Now you have a practice. Tell me a little bit about your practice and how you give me some broad strokes on how you address the childhood trauma. Does that mean you have to go to a psychologist, a psychiatrist? Do you have to spend hours in therapy? Do you have some tricks up your sleeve? I'm so interested. You know, this is so individual. And yes, it does need to be addressed. And it's something that I ask every single client that comes on board. I ask them to take the, the quiz. I think you can go on the CDC's website to learn more about ACEs or adverse childhood experiences. And, and then we, we talk about it when people are ready to talk about it. And it doesn't mean that they need to go see a therapist or psychotherapist. There are so many different great books available and things that people can do for themselves these days. There's a wonderful book called The Transformation, um, and I'm going to remember his name momentarily. I'm actually looking for the book on my shelf, um, and I remember his first name, I think, is Gordon, and um, he started the Center for Mind-Body uh, on the East Coast, and there's so much self-help that you can do with trauma, everything from tapping to, um, boy, um, meditation, shaking, drawing. There's meditations that you can do with Dr. Joe Dispenza. Mm. So I really, really meet people where they are. And there are some people that are just not ready to address these and have swept them firmly under the rug. And, you know, we're just mindful that at some point they need to be addressed. Otherwise they get expressed. That's correct. And perhaps people are not aware that this is underlying their issues. They're looking at everything else that's physical and not looking at the body, 
mind spirit connection, which is mm -hmm. something that you bring to the table. What about the heavy metals that are in the environment? I've always been taught that mercury is at the bottom line of MS. Did you find that to be true in your study and in your book? You know, in my research, I did find that mercury is just profoundly linked uh, with autoimmunity, in particular MS and Alzheimer's. There is a practitioner who's no longer living in the UK, Dr. Patrick Kingsley, who apparently saw more than 5,000 patients with MS. And he wrote that only five of his patients, five out of 5,000, did not have mercury poisoning. So do you test your patients, by the way, and how do people find you? I'm just, we're just going to throw that out now in the podcast. <laughs> so the best way to do that is to go to my website, which is palmerkippola.com. And there's a link for functional medicine consulting. And the best way to begin the process is just to hop on the phone with me, schedule 15 minutes. And I just love giving people nuggets that they can go and do on their own and they can get much of what they need in my book, Beat Autoimmune. By the way, Mark Hyman wrote the foreword for the book. So I'm, I'm honored about that. Um, but that, that's the best place to start. And, and testing is really individual. Um, so depending upon what people present with, and it's not just MS, they, they say there's something like 150 autoimmune conditions today. And I believe it. And in my research, I found that, you know, I, I use that term fights, it doesn't matter what the condition is. That's just your genetic weak link. Mine happens to be MS, but for somebody else, it might be Hashimoto's thyroiditis. For somebody else, it might be rheumatoid arthritis or Sjogren's or you name it. There's just a ton of these. And we, we like to look at gut health. So we typically do a comprehensive stool test to see what's going on in there. And if yeast comes back mm. as even in microscopic amounts, mm. it means there's a boatload of yeast because most gut tests are not good at determining whether or not there's yeast. So we, we definitely you know, work with people on an individual level to see what's happening from a symptom perspective, how long have things been going on? And that guides us in, in terms of the process, what tests we might get. So there's not a one-stop shop diet for all, but you do limit the yeast or the yeast containing food. So it's basically a mold-free diet, would you say? It is. It's a mold-free diet. It's, you know, I, I find, and I call it a 30-day food vacation is the best place to start. And people may be familiar with that as a traditional autoimmune paleo diet to figure out what your food sensitivities are, because food is often the highest leverage category. That's where people can bring down their levels of inflammation most readily is just changing what they're eating. And boy, the gluten, the dairy, the sugar, the eggs, those are four of the top ones that I see again and again. So, what about antibiotics and other drugs that affect the lining of the gut and stress and uh, oh. exposure to toxins? Dental health. Have you seen the connection between <laughs> dental health? One of my favorite arenas. Oh my goodness. Yes. And in my own life as well. So after I beat MS in 2010, I, I stopped having symptoms, but there was this one year that I had you know, just a number of colds and I couldn't shake them. I didn't know what was going on. And I have a wonderful dentist, a holistic dentist who suggested, well, just maybe should we check out this concept of cavitations? And I thought, well, that sounds interesting. Let's do it. So we did this cone beam x-ray, which you can mm, ask yes. your right, a holistic dentist to run. And it's a 3D x-ray that is going to show whether or not you have these pockets 
that are where your wisdom teeth used to be. And that's most likely where they are sometimes in root canal teeth where there are infections and you can't even feel them. You don't even know. And that's the place that makes the mouth, the oral health so important is that we don't even know there's a problem because we don't feel it. And we typically don't address things unless we can feel it. So I would advise everybody, if you've had wisdom teeth taken out, if you have any any root canal or any tooth taken out, that's right. That's right. To take a look at that. So I had cavitation surgery in all four of my wisdom teeth area. And I mean, it was a game changer for my immunity. I just stopped having colds. It was my immune system. And here's the thing. Our immune systems are overburdened by all of these things Mm. that we're talking about. And I use the metaphor of the toxin bucket because I think people can really get a sense of what that is. You visualize a bucket and each of us can carry a certain amount of things. Like I ate gluten with every meal growing up. I had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, the mold on the peanuts. I mean, you name it, I, I did it. Um, right. And then you develop a sugar addiction and then the candida overgrowth. And then you need mercury fillings because of course you have all the, the sugar and, and so on and so forth. And I actually have chronic Lyme that I didn't even know was, was a problem. And then we are bombarded with things like mold and mica. It can be overwhelming. The point is we can hold these things in the toxin bucket and we're supposed to be able to excrete, excrete the toxins. But sometimes those toxins can come in faster than we can excrete them. Exactly. And everything goes tilt and the the leaky gut is the pathway to autoimmunity. So the rest of our lives is really about living a detox lifestyle and and keeping that bucket as clear as possible and bringing down those levels of inflammation. That's what I tell everybody. Detox is no longer a seasonal event. It's It's a daily practice. That's right. That's right. It's just, and, and you don't, you're not Eureka, you're finished and you're done for good. It's, it's ongoing, right? We are living in, to your, use your expression, this day and age that's just bombarded with levels of toxins, the glyphosate in our air and soil and our indoor air is even more polluted than the outdoor air. So we just, whatever we can do, whatever our budgets afford, to eat organic food, to just bring those levels of toxins down, it is meaningful. What kind of tests do you recommend for your people? Are there any tests? I, I, I'd encourage everybody to visit palmercapola.com and to hook in with you directly. But are there any tests that people can ask their functional medicine practitioners at home to run that perhaps they're not looking at the way they should? Yeah, I think there are, are a couple that are really important. Um, and the first is really just a comprehensive stool test. We, we see this a lot. I, what I think, lab do you like? So uh, doctor's data is good. There's GI 360. There's a new lab, a relatively new lab on the scene that we really like called Vibrant Wellness. It's based here in California. They've got really more modern levels of testing, both for gut health And um, for mycotoxins, they're looking at 33 different mycotoxins and they actually have a brand new one out, or I I should say in the last year, uh, tick-borne because Lyme disease is becoming so prevalent. So it's not usually any one thing, it's usually a combination of things. And the great thing about Vibrant Wellness is that these tests can be shipped to your home and you can do finger stick tests instead of having to go in to get your blood drawn. And Mm. people find that 
in general to be an easier way to go. Much more palatable. As they yeah. Yeah. And I, I would say, you know, one of the things that gets missed a lot is mold and mycotoxins. If you have grown up in a water damaged house, if you, you know, grew up in a basement or there are any musty smells, I've got clients who actually work in architecture or restoring old buildings or just working in places that are traditionally musty, that, that smell like in a thrift shop or something. And there's mold and mycotoxins. And we need to figure out if the mold exposure is current or if it is historical. So how do you test for mold? Do you use a special lab for a urine test of the metabolites? Yes, so the best testing I have found for mold is urine testing. And again, Vibrant Wellness, Great Plains is another one that does this, but Vibrant has become kind of a one-stop shop for me just because it's so easy. And, and the mold test is super easy to do. You, it's a urine test and you just pee in a cup and send it in and, the thing that's really key in this is it not only shares the mycotoxin levels, which are the toxins, they're not living mold, it's the toxins that the mold spores produce that get lodged in your tissues, in your gut and so forth. But there's an, a marker called mycophenolic acid. Mm. And mycophenolic acid, you can look it up if you've had one of these mold tests done, can indicate if it's high it means that you're currently being exposed to mold. And if it's not high, if it's in the green, it, it indicates that it's probably a past exposure. That's so phenomenally helpful. Mm -hmm. So do people have to do home remediation? Is that something you suggest, Palmer? Yes, it is, unfortunately. And it's just, it's super important. And not everybody needs to go to great expense and so forth. So I happen to have elevated mycotoxins, but I'm not a mold canary. There's probably 25% of the population is super sensitive to mold and mycotoxins. And so it's just imperative to work with a remediate. Well, first you want a, a good inspector that's familiar with mycotoxins. And if you get them on the phone and they don't know what mycotoxins are, and they're just going to come and then they're not the know, right person. <laughs> they're not the right person. So you can gauge this by just having a conversation with somebody on the phone and how they're going to deal with it. And you want the person who does the remediation to be a separate company, a separate entity than the person that actually does the inspection. So that's another red flag if they say, well, come on out and fix your problem for you, because that would be a conflict of interest. So very important. Do you check for EMFs in your bucket list or bucket full of toxins? You know, I don't. And, and that may be one area that I could stand to get smarter about and help people with. It is really recommended, especially with people dealing with Lyme and, and the, just this whole conundrum of, of this constellation of things going on. My understanding is that EMFs actually amplify. Yes. Right? They and amplify so, mold. And, and you wrote the book on this. So <laughs> I will well, ask the, you. One of the books on this, well, Building Biology, the building biologist, you could, they have a lovely website and they could get a remediation person out of, in fact, we're, we're, all, we're all exposed. So I think it's a good idea for the home to be remediated as well as the workplace. And, of course, and cars, people oh forget, right? Yes. It, it's, it's a problem. Um, for sure. But on, on the EMF front, at, at the very least, to turn the router off at night, get your electronics out of the bedroom. This is just these small things add up. So that it, it all matters. 
It all matters very much. What do you think, if you were to name the five autoimmune triggers that are the most prevalent, what would they be that people can start dealing with right now, right this moment after listening to the podcast? What would they be? <laughs> Well, I, I put it at a higher level when I call it fights, and that's the food, the infections, but I'll give you the top one for each of them. So oh, a, thank you. Right? So let's let's just organize it that way so that people remember what they need to deal with. And in the food category, by number one by far and away is gluten. And, and we've known since 2015 with Dr. Alessio Fasano's work at Harvard Medical School that gluten creates a leaky gut in anyone who eats it. And if you have the proclivity for autoimmunity or you have an autoimmune condition and you're still eating gluten, your gut is gonna remain leaky and that is the pathway to autoimmunity. And I would say that 90% of the people that I see who are sensitive to gluten are also sensitive to all animal dairy. So they just, they just have to go. Um, so that would be the food category. And in the infections, we talked about it, the, the candida would be number one, parasites mm. probably number two, and mm. the Lyme situation uh, would be number three. And I, I see Epstein-Barr kind of resolving itself once you start addressing these other, you unburden the immune system and your yes. body. Can, we all have Epstein-Barr. Yes, yes, yes. fixated yes. on it, right? But, but it can deal with things once you unburden it from the rest of it. The gut health, just the lack of diversity and so forth, that, that's going to be a really big problem, the leaky gut. And of course, about, what is it, 75, 80% of your immune system is right there in the, in gut. the lining of your gut. So we've got to stop treating our guts like garbage disposals with <laughs> the medications, right? So true. So it, true. Just, you know, reaching for an antibiotic with a common cold, it's wiping out our microbiomes. And I think collectively, it's just part of the big, the reason that autoimmunity is epidemic is that we've wiped out our natural gut flora. And what's after G? H, H. hormones, vitamin D deficiency big. is epidemic. epidemic. And frankly, uh, brown and black people are even more deficient. Yeah. figure, right. So um, I often advise first get your know your number, and I take ten thousand IU's. I've got a deficiency, or it's called VDR vitamin D receptor. I have the same yeah. thing. You do. Ten. So, we're so alike. Ten thousand IU's that. every day. Every day. So take it with food in the morning, and then I take a you know K two in the evening. That helps make sure that you're calcium gets into your bones and not into your arteries. That would be huge. And the insulin resistance, my goodness, I don't know who told us we had to eat three meals a day, but that has just, we're, we're snacking, we're eating all the time. And I'm a big believer in intermittent fasting and yes. just reducing the levels of processed foods and excess carbohydrates to really free up our, our glucose and our insulin. And that's going to help you know, really bring the problem down. I love it. And tea? Tea, toxins. Oh my goodness. Well, we talked about, um, we didn't mention, I didn't say anything about toxins in food, but Dr. Joseph Pizzorno, who wrote The Toxin Solution, talks about, you know, we can lower our body burden of toxins just by changing from a conventional diet to an organic diet and quickly. And so what happens is, the animals that we eat that are conventionally raised concentrate the toxins. So when they're feeding on GMO corn and soy and wheat, 
the animals are actually concentrating those toxins so that we're actually getting up to 25 times more pesticides when we eat conventionally raised animals. So one of the things that I recommend is just if you can only do a few things, one would be to go to 100% grass-fed meat, pastured poultry, wild fish, do not eat your farm salmon. Salmon are not supposed to eat corn and wheat. So that would be um, a, a huge, huge a game changer for people's health is just to change their, their meat and their oils. And you talk about the oil change all the time. And I'm, I'm super in favor of that. Excellent. And what about S? S, that's the stress, the chronic always on stress. So here, here's the thing. The way that you know that you're done with trauma is if it doesn't cause a reaction from you if you if you are calm and it, you're not triggered by something and i have memories of childhood and sure you know i'm good bad just the whole picture of it but i don't get triggered by it i know i've done the work and i've come through it uh, forgiveness. that's the key. Uh, For that's what i wanted you to talk about forgiveness. forgiveness and you know what it's not about the other person it no. really isn't. It's about freeing up the space in your own mind and your own heart. And I love the Ho'oponopono prayer. Yes. It's so simple. It's so easy. Would you like um, to, I love you. Thank you. To tell me what that is again. Four lines. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. We've got to say those once again. Yeah. And I actually add another one. So I add a fifth line. I'll tell which you what is, that is. Which is? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I forgive you. Thank you. Oh, I, I love, love you. you. I love that. And you put your hand over your heart if it feels good. And you start with people that are easy, like the person who cut you off in traffic or, you know, and you work your way up. Um, but really it's, it's to feel the feeling of that, freedom that you have when you're no longer triggered by something that happened in the past we have to be able to move on well we're going to move on we're going to circle back to you at some point in, in another podcast there's so much to delve into with beating autoimmunity but you have a gift for my listeners what is that my dear I do. The biggest question that I get is, what do I eat to beat an autoimmune condition? So I put together an optimal food guide because I believe that you, the listener, are in the best position to figure out your best foods. So if you go to palmerkippola.com forward slash gift, you can find the optimal food guide there. And I want to spell your name. It's P-A-L-M-E-R-K-I-P-P-O-L-A.com. Got it. That was perfect. Thank you. As long as I pronounced it correctly, it's a Finnish name, as I recall. That's right. My husband's side, Finnish. It is. Love it. Love it. Love it. What are the parting words you may have for my listeners? You know, I would love to invite people to consider autoimmunity if this is something that you're facing as an opportunity to view this as a gift. And for you to ask yourself the question that I was asked when I lay on the couch at age 19 of why do you think you got this condition? Why do you think, why do you think it is? And then you can start looking at it as a gift, as silver linings, as an opportunity to wake up to who you truly are because I believe that healing is really becoming who we truly are. And this is just an invitation for you to become 
your best self. And usually, you know, the second half of life, this is the opportunity for people to really come into their own. And it's usually women because women are 80% of the autoimmune. So it's time, my friends, that we beat autoimmunity and you'll get the six keys to reverse your condition and reclaim your health with Palmer Kipola's Beat Autoimmune. I just love the book. As I say, it's a book I wish I had written. Are there any other books in the future for you, my dear? You know, I, I was going to say not if I can help it. I think what I would do is I would revise <laughs> and update this one, and I'm going to learn from you how in the world you can get the energy to do 35. How many do you have? 37. 37. You. Oh, I'm behind. See, can't even keep up with you. Oh, don't even worry about that. <laughs> That's very kind and very sweet. And I want to thank you, Palmer, for being my guest. I want to thank all my listeners for listening yet once again to the First Lady of Nutrition podcast. I want to thank my brand new sponsor, CS-Health, who are the makers of Vitalica, the indigenous broccoli enzyme activated dietary supplement that I take every single day as an internal sunscreen. So thank you all, my dear friends. Shalom, peace. See you next time. Wow.